You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. Hope you are well. The interview subject, prepared for your listening pleasure, is Stevie D from the group Buck Cherry. The catalyst for the conversation is Buck Cherry's ninth studio album, titled Hellbound. It'll see the light of day on June 25th, 2021. Stevie and I had a bit of a chit-chat about our families to kick things off before we got stuck into the conversation about the album. So here he is, Stevie D from Buck Cherry. So, look, we'll talk about um, this album now, uh, Hellbound. And, look, I've got yeah. to say from the outset, it's it's a great rock album, as, as, is, as has been the tradition of the band since you've been in it. And it's got a very heavy metal album cover, which is just awesome as far as most of the people who listen to my podcast are concerned. Uh-huh. Um, but look, in some ways, I think Hellbound is a new chapter for the band. But in yeah. other ways, it's just a continuation, like I said, of what you guys have been doing now yeah. for at least the 15 years or so that you've been in the band. Um, and I think it does give you a, a very solid platform moving forward. But look, due to the strength of the album, it is a bloody strong album, by the way. Mm. Did you, as a band, did you approach Hellbound as the record that you needed to make or was it just another record? No. The reason being, you know, like there's a lot of, uh, you know, if, when you start the record, record making process, I think a lot of bands, and we're guilty of it too, saying like this is what it's going to be we're going to you know we're going to go after this market we're going to have this kind of sound Mm. Uh, and it's really important you know like it's no it's no secret that 15 and 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 back then there was a lot of success for us and uh, you know people you know people that have had that kind of success and sold a few million records and if a later record doesn't do that they want the next record to go after that kind of success or we want this to be a comeback album and hmm. I think that's a big mistake uh chasing anything you know i think the, the what's the only thing that you can do is is write you know what we what we did was we said we're gonna write great the best songs that we can write individually and then after 20 25 getting together with marty Fredrickson, then he called it down to 10 that were cohesive and consistent with each other and that's how we got that sound for this album and uh yeah we're really happy with uh the decision to go after it that way yeah i I think possibly one of the strongest songs that has ever been created under the buck cherry moniker is on this album and that is no more lies wow that's awesome that, that I think for us showing uh, the growth as songwriters, mm. I think that we've just had a lot of life experiences since uh, 15 years ago. And that, that comes out um, emotionally in the songwriting, you know. Mm. Originally that song, uh, the riff was uh, written by Marty Fredrickson and then Josh sang on it. And we were sitting back and well okay and we went I, I i went to marty's house in his studio i was like you know what let's just wipe that track leave the vocal leave the click and i just started playing riffs and nice. then he said okay play this use this one here in in the verse 
and it was night and day. It was originally sounded like a more of like a Montrose, Bad Motor Scooter kind of song, mm-hmm. and and then once we took all those tracks out, it landed more in a Led Zeppelin kind of Jamaica kind of. Yeah, totally. I've got the Jamaica thing, but there's another aspect of that song. It's a lot of bands have gone for this sound, Led Zepp meets Oasis, and you nailed it with that song. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that that was, you know, that might have been as far as the strummy parts. Um, it, it, it's, you know, when you do those kind of suspended chords in a strummy yeah. acoustic, I, I think a lot of people's ears that have heard Oasis or, you know, uh, would just make that kind of connection. But it's, mm. you know, it, it's all based in Zeppelin for me, you know. Yeah, I was just watching, uh, just literally just before we got on the call, I was um, trawling through the your appearances on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And, and you do a promotional piece for Gibson. Yes. Have, you've, you've obviously seen it because you were in it, but uh, yeah, you, I remember that one. I think it was, yeah, but you, you talk about Led Zepp. I might get one of them wrong here, but definitely there was Angus Young, Jimmy yeah. Page, and there was one other guitarist. So there was a Keith Richards, I think. Yeah, yeah, and but I can I can hear that with you playing, and and you said that you locked yourself away after a breakup. You studied, yeah. you, you got the modes down and the scales sorted and you locked yourself away and you do what I keep telling young guitarists to do, you got to work. And do, do you think yeah. that period was the pivotal phase for you to become the guitarist that you yeah. are today? Pivotal phase for me. I, uh, you know, you know, I, I think a lot for a lot of guys uh, in that high school time, you know, if they go through a breakup and, and kind of get out of the mix, um, find, uh, kind of shelter in, in music. And I, I, I was lucky enough to have a guitar teacher that was, um, you know, like give me something to work on and uh, mm. concentrate on. There was, there, back in my day, there was no YouTube, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, you know, we had uh, CDs and albums and uh, and I would just practice and, and just, you know, for months, play hours a day, you know, and I still love guitar now, like I did back when I was a teenager. I, I just recently during, during quarantine, I, I was producing uh, this rockabilly artist. And I went down the rabbit hole of learning uh, all the ins and outs of, uh, you know, what might makes rockabilly playing great, you know, so I found Brian Setzer and Chet Atkins and Merle Travis. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's fun for me to just sit in front of the TV, you know, just kind of working on those patterns, you know what I mean? Mindlessly. <laughs> Probably drive everyone here crazy, but, you know. Yeah, it's got to be done though, isn't it? Because it's that muscle yeah. memory thing. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of what, what, you know, like what I was playing and getting into had never been under my hands before. You know, the chord shapes, especially the right hand, you know, I, I use a flat pick. And, you know, this was all based in, um, you know, Travis picking, pedaling on the lower notes, like, you know, what Tommy Emmanuel does from your neck of the woods, you know. Brilliant player, man. Yeah, I'm so glad yeah. you mentioned him. Yeah. He's, uh, he, he's the master of disaster. I, I can't, I, I've, I, there's a song called Cannonball Run. It's kind of the anthem of uh, the thumb pickers. And he's, mm. you know, like when I found that guy, I was just 
blown away. It's like he's like the Ingve Malmsteen of that style. You know, like mm. it's like how do, how do you even fucking do that? You know, I had to, you know, like get the playing speed l slow enough so I could be to understand or wrap my head around what he was doing. But, yeah, he's a yeah. he's a reincarnated European composer. I think that guy. He's just <laughs> yeah. it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like the things that you'll find, you know, if you just, you know, like my work ethic is the same as it was, uh, and probably more intense. But I learned all how to do the woodshed when mm -hmm. uh, I was sixteen. You know. Okay, is that right? So you you just when you say woodshed for that's. The way I t the way I look at that too, and, and I'm so glad you mentioned something else as well, which is that we didn't grow up with YouTube. We had to sit down, me being a bassist, listening to uh, Jean-Jacques Brunel from The Stranglers, with yeah, the yeah, headphone yeah. up here and just going along and just trying to, or Bruce yeah. Boston from The Jam, and yeah, just, yeah. just trying to figure that shit out. You had no other way to do it. Is you that is that no what you, yeah? Yeah, is that like, what you had to do as well. Yeah, I. There again, I was lucky enough to. Um, when I was learning, like, let's say, you know, Angus Licks or Jimmy Page Licks or um, any of that, there was no no apps for an amazing slow downer. Um, there was no YouTube with a speed control. And, um, I, you know, like you could put on LP and slow it down, but then that would take the, the register and bring it down as well, you know. Mm. So... Um, it, I was lucky enough to have a teacher that uh, he had a, 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 I don't know, might, might have been a four track, something similar to a four track that he could t turn the speed down uh, and slow it down without uh, lowering the register. Yeah. And okay. I could get those licks correctly, you know, and that is all up to me to work on the feel, you know. Mm. It's hard to do with Jimmy Page. He's got his own brand of slop that's genius you know yeah you're right yeah with with he's oh, he seems to play better drunk than sober that's what i've yeah. noticed with him he's yeah I, I i can agree with that i can agree <laughs> with that. Sure. hey talking about the album again and the, or just about the band in general so uh mm -hmm. billy rowe is joining you these days on rhythm and uh Fran francis ruiz i think you pronounce his surname there he's that's this is his second album on drums so that's what did they what in your opinion did they bring to the table this time around um it's it's they bring a, a foundation a solidness to uh us in the live uh and and in the studio that uh, not that we did we didn't have it before but we had lost the players um a, a few play a handful of players have quit at different times mm -hmm. and we had to find a replacement that we could also get along with for the other 22 hours of the day yeah. on a bus, you know? Uh, it's not that we d couldn't find, because um, there's tons of guitar players and, as well as drummers here in Los Angeles. It's just we had to find um, players that we could get along with. What these two guys bring is, you know, like Billy Rowe, uh, he's, been, he's from a band called Jet Boy and who are not unlike or dissimilar to Buck Cherry. Hmm. Uh, they were doing it uh, back in 86, playing, you know, play, um, on the road with Guns N' Roses. Um, his playing, Billy's playing is very uh, Joe Perry. He covers all the areas that I don't. He's a great slide player. 
He's got Malcolm under his hands. Uh, he's a rock and roll historian, so he bring he knows about especially rock and roll guitar. He brings all that, you know, in his playing. Same with Francis. He's been doing this. We've all been doing this the same amount of time. We were all around the same age. We kind of came up in the same area here in Hollywood. So um, it just it just just fits. It, it's keeping this freight train rolling. Do you still get asked about Keith in interviews? Uh, I, I actually haven't. You know, I he's uh, he's out there doing his thing, uh, producing records, writing songs. You know, mm. um, yeah, I haven't I, I haven't been asked about him though. I mm. hope he's doing good. It's it's one of those things though, isn't it? Just being a muso that the people who are outside of the sphere of what you do can never understand that you're basically a professional traveler, and yeah. The, the characteristics that you look for when you are recruiting are exactly what you said. You're looking for someone that you can get along with and it can be pure hell. And I'm not saying that it was like that with Keith at all, but I'm simply saying no, it can no, be no. absolutely it, it hell. It wasn't like that with Keith, you know, like we, we we're all brothers. Um, he, he, he just came to a point where uh, I think, you know, the road wasn't for him anymore. Same with, with uh, Kevin. You know, he it's 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 pretty demanding. And it's been told to me by, um, you know, several different touring musicians that they don't pay you for the two hours that you're up there. They pay you for all the travel, mm. you know, because it's not it's it's not easy and it's not easy being away from. And, and now we're older and it's not easy being away from your family. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh Question about the Philippines. I'm aware you've got a Filipino heritage, and yes, uh, and my mother-in-law is Filipino. That? That? <laughs> oh, my mother-in-law is from the Philippines. Oh wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so she's from Lapu Lapu City. Oh okay. My my grandfather is from La Union, and um, my mom is from uh, Bacolod. Okay. But yeah, um, yeah. There's a there's a lot. There's a big. Uh, 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 Filipino population there in Australia, right? Huge, so, oh, massive, yeah, hundred. I, I don't even, I wouldn't even be able to tell you, but I mean, you go, you, you went almost to any environment, mm -hmm. uh, shopping center, whatever, workplace, whatever. There's going to be Filipinos there. It's just, I mean, it's yeah. not that far away from us. Is the reality, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, especially in the hospitals, right? That's how they uh, kind of like segue, you know, through nursing. In, uh, and thank God for them. They call them the angels, you know that, because of their patience. Uh, that's sweet. You know, that's Filipino, awesome. Well, Filipino people, as you know, are blessed with eternal patience, I think. And we do, my wife being Filipino, you know, we that, do talk about I, that it. Might, that might have <laughs> wasted on me. I, I, I don't know. I'm not a really impatient guy. But, uh, yeah, I, I know a lot of people in the, that industry um, mm. that are just wonderful people, you know. So do you, do yourself and I don't know whether you know Rob Cavastani, he's got a Filipino heritage as well from Death Angel. Well, yeah, well, all of them, well, at one point were Filipino. Yeah, yeah that's right. Well, I spoke, but I've spoken to Rob about it as well. And uh, I know that Filipinos are very proud when somebody with the heritage actually succeeds. So have you got a bit of a following in the Philippines? You know, I, I don't know. We, we haven't, um, every time that we kind of get out that way, the Philippines is kind of glossed over. We, we wanted to do a tour at one point um, and it just never came up on the books for us. So 
I, I would, I would love to, you know, I would love to book something out there and, uh, and see my peeps, but, uh, we'll see if that can happen by 2021. Definitely. You know, yeah. Catch something too. Um, you know, when, uh, we go to Australia, usually Japan is, is, uh, the next stop. So maybe we can fit the Philippines in there somehow, you know? I only ever hear magnificent things of people that have performed in the, in the Philippines and they're usually on those enormous festivals. Yeah. Here it's great, and in the in in you know over there they're very musical. You know mm. what I mean. They connect with a, lo a lot of the Western music, so you know I would I would love to make a stop and and like make make the the last stop so I can you know like go visit for a couple weeks. You know. Nice. I mean? Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. Yeah. The Australia. Then have we been as I was aware of the band back in like 1999 or something like that. It was actually getting played on our version of MTV, which was called Channel V back then. Uh, so Australia has been a strong territory for you guys, or am I mistaken? Yeah, I, I, um, it, 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 for me, we went over and got a great response. We, we toured over there with uh, Steel Panther. Oh yeah, <laughs> and we came back with uh, uh, hardcore superstar. Every time, it's a, a great experience. I, I you know, I, I think um, our heroes are, you know, it's no secret that our heroes are ACDC, and um, and I think a lot for that reason, it comes out in the music, and a lot of people connect with that that side of us, the four on the floor, the guitar riff. So uh, I would, you know. I always look forward to coming back. Sweet. Well, we, we will too, mate, especially when these bloody, well, it has to happen, of course, when these COVID restrictions are, uh, are lifted, which apparently here is 2022. Um, yeah. They're talking, so it, they're going to wait for a percentage of the population, I think, to be fully vaccinated. God yeah. knows when that's going to happen. But uh, are, when are, there, are there, is a vaccination available? No, hot and cold. I think if you're a frontline worker, you know, there's there's classifications of people. Someone like myself couldn't get it even if I wanted it because I'm not a frontline worker. I'm a I'm a journalist, so I do all my work from here. So I'm not really interacting with anybody. But right, um, right now, uh, everyone over 18 is eligible to get it. So there's several different kinds. Um, the J and J was getting uh, was stopped for a second, but now is available as of I think today. But uh, hundreds of thousands are already vaccinated, so that's why touring is 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 more is possible now. Um, more mandates and restrictions are being lifted, and so more shows are being booked. Through you know we were or out of the gate, we have a hundred shows from now until the end of the year. So I I thought that well, wow. hopefully you know Canada and Australia will be the next to follow suit. And uh, by November, we could uh, be out there. You never know. I heard that we might be out there by November. Well, Kings of Leon are coming here next month, I think. There's, there's a couple of huge, you know, these, these bands that are popular here and that are, that are coming out. It's like, well, how the hell did they get, like, how the hell did they get to be able to do it and other bands can't? It must be. I, no, they, they might, I don't know, they might quarantine for two weeks while, you know, where they first yeah. get there. And then, you know, do that. that. That's always been always been an option, you know, to go to Canada, quarantine for two weeks in a hotel under your own mm -hmm. dime. And uh, then you can then you can tour. But 
it, a lot of bands just won't do that. No, it was too hard. I mean, God, imagine how much money you'd burn through. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, for an individual, I think they counted it at uh, uh, two or three thousand dollars for two weeks. That that's room and board and meals from that hotel. So, yeah, net, I, Netflix subscriptions and everything else too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, ten dollars a month or yes. ten five dollars a week. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Well, uh, well, mate, it's been it's been a great chat. Congratulations on on actually sure. doing it. I say this often, but uh, you know, you guys that are up there on stage, mate, it means a lot to the rock and roll and the metal fans that you continue to do what you do because it is what we love. Yeah, I and we love to do it, and especially out there in Australia, we love to do it wherever in the world they're, you know, passionate about it, and uh, they're definitely mm. passionate about it in Australia. Definitely. So, so cool. hopefully you by the end of the year definitely next year all right fingers crossed Andrew, thanks brother thank you. all right man no worries pleasure Talks catch ya there he is stevie d from buck cherry ladies and gentlemen my name's andrew mckay smith and i'm the host of this podcast series called scars and guitars thanks for tuning in